0: Hey guys, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Today we're starting chapter 5, and chapter 5 continues with Surah An-Nisa. In the first ayahs of chapter 5, Allah is basically telling us who a man can and cannot marry, and that Allah has forbidden a man to marry a woman who is already married. Allah has already told us that zina, intercourse, outside of a halal relationship is haram. And now Allah tells us that the punishment for zina with a married woman is even worse. Allah tells us that whenever the man marries a woman, he must give them compensation. He must gift them meher. Why? Because Allah's made it mandatory for the man to take financial responsibility of the wife. Allah's put many desires in a human being's heart. Allah wants us to enjoy things in life, but it's also a test because these desires have to be enjoyed the halal way. Intercourse is a natural desire, but you can only enjoy this pleasure inside of a halal relationship food can also be pleasure, some delicious biryani. But Allah says that the food you eat should also be halal. So stay inside the halal boundaries Allah has made for us. Allah says nikah is the only official contract that makes a man and woman halal for each other. This contract makes Allah witness and requires people to witness, and it cannot be done in secrecy. It must be public because you need people to know that you are together. So people don't think that you're walking around holding hands in a haram relationship. Okay, so side note, in the next ayahs, Allah talks about male slaves and female slaves and Allah has given us some instructions about it. I'm sure many people will get very uncomfortable and ask, why did Islam allow people to have slaves? Why didn't they just abolish slavery completely? When you come across something that you just can't understand as being good, you have to remind yourself, Allah knows best. And just because we don't understand the wisdom behind it doesn't mean that it's wrong. Allah's wisdom can never be wrong. So slavery in Islam is not the type of slavery that we all know of. The torture, humiliation, the pain and suffering, the whole forcing them to work till they collapse. No, it's not like that at all. Now there was only one way a person could be a slave. Only one way. And that is if the person was captured as a prisoner of war. That is the only way It was forbidden to make a free person a slave. Now the wisdom behind why only war prisoners can be taken as slaves was because it was forbidden to kill war prisoners. And you obviously don't want to free the prisoners and have them go back to fighting against you. And instead of locking them up in jail, the concept of slavery came about. And the purpose of this slavery was to basically rehabilitate those people. Change them and guide them towards the path of Islam in hopes that they would convert and then slowly become part of the society. Allah has made it extremely clear that slaves were to be treated with respect. Seriously, don't think of the type of brutal slavery that we know of right now, because once you understand what this relationship was like, you yourself wouldn't even call it slavery. The Prophet said, you must feed them from what you eat and clothe them from what you wear. Meaning they must eat the same amazing food that you do on the same table that you eat and must wear the same quality clothes that you wear. You eat a $40 steak, they eat a $40 steak. You wear Gucci shoes, they wear Gucci shoes. They should be taken care of as if they were your family. In fact, (laughs) we don't even treat our family this well. The Prophet peace be upon him said that you shouldn't even refer to them as slaves. Instead, refer to them as my young boy or young girl, brother or sister. Even hitting them was forbidden. So much so that, that if you did hit them, they must be set free. Otherwise, you will be punished. Of course, many people did treat their slaves poorly, which the Prophet peace be upon him looked down upon greatly. And it was against Islam. The slaves have the ability to work for their freedom in hopes that by the time they earn their freedom, they will have converted to Islam and once they are free, they will still be part of the family. Before Islam, there were many ways to make a person a slave. People were kidnapped to being slaves, but Islam forbid all those ways and said only one way was allowed, prisoners of war. And on top of that, Islam encouraged that slaves should be set free whenever possible. So now that you understand the whole slave issue in Islam, it's not really slavery at all. They were servants, yeah, but not the type of servants that we have. Nobody in today's world even treats their servants or houseworkers this good. They would never buy them the same expensive clothes they wear, let alone let them eat on the same table. Allah says that if a man is scared that he cannot control his desires for zina and that he's constantly almost, you know, engaging in intercourse, then he should maybe think about getting married, but only if he's capable only if his intentions are correct because he can't just marry a woman for sexual pleasure. No, he has to be able to properly take care of his wife. Allah says both man and woman should not rush into marriage for the wrong reasons. A man should only get married if he is able to provide for his wife financially and emotionally, and if they're both compatible. Allah says when you're looking for a spouse, the most important thing to look for is how strong their deen is, not their social status, not their beauty, because you should want someone who will help you become closer to Allah. Only a relationship that makes Allah a priority will be successful. The best thing a man and woman who are in love can do is get nikah. The if they really love each other, they would make their relationship halal. Allah knows that human beings are weak, which is why Allah said that hanging alone with a boy or a girl is forbidden, because Allah knows how easily it can lead to something more. So having a boyfriend and girlfriend? Yeah, not allowed. No matter how much you say, Oh, we're just friends, we won't do anything. It doesn't matter. Every blessing in this world is temporary, and the enjoyment from it won't last very long. However, Allah says that the best enjoyment in this world is a life partner that is Allah conscious because when two people with strong imans come together, they become a great source of strength and comfort for each other. Allah talks about how it's wrong to steal and how it's wrong to take another person's property without their permission. It is actually wrong for us to even take a single bite of food or even wear someone's clothes without their consent. That same bite that you took without permission, Allah will feed you the same amount in hell. So yeah, this should scare us. That if stealing even a bite of food is bad, imagine the punishment for stealing someone's money or their land or anything. Allah says, do not kill each other. Those who kill out of anger and injustice outside of war, they will be punished in hell. And also do not commit suicide either as it is forbidden. Allah says, do your best to at least avoid the major sins. Because if you do, then Allah will forgive the smaller sins that you make and help you enter the gates of Jannah. See, Allah's doing his best to help us. What are the major sins? shirk meaning worshipping anyone besides Allah believing in multiple gods and worshipping prophets instead of Allah learning and practicing magic murder disobeying one's parents consuming interest destroying property of the Kaaba not giving zakat drinking alcohol zina falsely accusing the innocent eating pork stealing, gambling, and being arrogant. There are obviously more major sins, but these are just some of them that that you should take careful note of and make sure you're not doing them. Allah has created humans with many differences and He has created man different from woman. He has created some people more richer than others, some people more smarter than others, stronger than others, and prettier than others. Allah has created these differences for a reason. So, you should not be jealous of why other people have what you don't. Instead, just ask Allah what you want. Allah has created men and women different from each other biologically and mentally. Allah has created men to have specific strengths and skills to be good at and Allah has given women specific strengths and skills to be good at. Based on those specific skills Allah gave men and women, Allah also gave them specific responsibilities. One of the major responsibilities Allah has created the man to do is to protect and provide for his wife. And because of that major responsibility, Allah has also given the husband the privilege to be responsible for the relationship, meaning be in charge of the relationship. Just because a man has been given the responsibility to be in charge does not mean that men are better than women or that their status with Allah is higher. No, men and women are equal in Islam and a person's reward and status in front of Allah depends on their iman and their deeds, not their gender. The only reason Allah created men and women differently was so that they can complement each other, not compete with each other. It's a teamwork. Each person does the part Allah created them to be good at. Allah expects us to focus on the unique skills He created us with. For example, a person who is gifted with science and another person who's gifted with strength. Allah gave the person who's good at science the responsibility to do the sciencey stuff. And Allah gave the heavy lifting responsibility to the person with strength. It's not that the science person is weak and can't lift, And it's not that the strong person is dumb and can't do science stuff. No, it's so that the person can do the job that Allah has naturally made them good at. The man is required to work and pay for everything. The woman on the other hand, she doesn't have to work if she doesn't want to. As long as she does her duties as a wife, she can do whatever she wants. Her husband's money is her money and her money is only her money. She's not required to pay for anything. Yeah, groceries, food bills, anything her children need, she doesn't have to spend a single dime from her own pocket. That's entirely the man's job. So yeah, of course, it is very hard to follow the relationship dynamics Allah gave us for many reasons. It is not forbidden for us to try another way, but obviously Allah knows best and he knows what is the best dynamic for a perfect, happy, and successful relationship. Allah says that a good woman is the one that supports, respects, and follows her husband, as long as it's not against Islam. And a good husband is the one that supports, respects, and treats his wife with kindness. Mutual respect in marriage is absolutely required in Islam. Some people think that Islam allows the husband to beat his wife. No, absolutely not. What Islam does say is that if a wife becomes rude and rebellious, you must talk to her first in a very polite manner, see what's wrong. Tell her, hey, you shouldn't be acting like this. Then if she continues, sleep in separate beds if you have to, maybe some space can help. And then only as a last resort, if the wife is doing something against Islam, something absolutely crazy, only then may you lightly hit her. And we're not even talking about a punch or a slap. No, 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 no. The Prophet, peace be upon him, said, hit very reluctantly, meaning you better think twice, even three times before doing so. And the Prophet said, it cannot be on her face, it cannot be on her private parts, and cannot be hard enough to leave any type of mark on the body. So, do you see what the word hit means? It's like slavery. You think of the worst image possible, but it's not like that. This hit is more of a tap. You know, like how when you're trying to get your sibling's attention, you hit them and be like, hey, so again, A man does not have the permission to beat his wife for any reason he wants. And he will be held accountable on the day of judgment if he does. If a husband and wife are in disagreement, then bring a person from the guy's side and bring a person from the woman's side to mediate between the two. If they both have good intentions and don't want to fight, Allah will bring them peace and love among them. Allah says, if you want to please me, then serve my creation. Meaning, show kindness to my people. Show kindness to your parents, your siblings, to the orphans, the needy, to your neighbors, even strangers. Show kindness to everyone, even if they're not good to you. These are all referred to as the rights of the creation. Kind of like how it's the teacher's right that you be respectful to them. Well, it's the people's right that you must be kindful to them. Allah says that He is very fair when He accounts for what we do. Allah won't make a mistake even by an atom's weight. Meaning, you know how when some people put money in a jar, they don't really care about the penny, they don't count it because it's just a penny. Allah counts even the tiniest of tiniest good deeds. Allah is appreciative of it, and He takes it and multiplies the reward for you. So don't think that by giving to charity that you'll lose any money, or that Allah won't reward you for the penny that you donate. Every good deed, every tiny effort, every penny donated is like an investment that Allah will grow and multiply for you. So make effort. Give whatever little that you can. Allah talks about prayer and how if you are in a state of impurity, where you have emissions from your private parts, then take a bath. And only then can you pray. If you have broken your wudu and are traveling and cannot find water to perform wudu anywhere, then you can perform the yimam, which is where you get clean earth, dirt, and perform wudu with that. Allah also tells us how you may shorten your prayer if it is not possible for you to pray the full set when you're traveling. Allah talks about the Jews again and how they were given the scripture but they changed the words and message to fit their needs. This is for us, the ones that follow only what we want and then don't follow what we don't want. Allah says don't be like them. Even after the message was sent to the Prophet peace be upon him, the Jews would listen but then they would go and tell a different message to others in order to spread misinformation. So Allah says be careful when people spread lies about Islam. Learn Islam for yourself so that you know what's true and what's not true. Allah then talks about how, even though Allah has sent the Quran down to the people, they still made up superstitions about black cats and other random stuff that had no part in the Quran. Superstitions are haram. Allah says to obey Allah and obey the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. For even disobeying the Prophet is also disobeying Allah. Allah says if there is ever a dispute or argument about anything, you should always refer to the Quran and Sunnah for answers and guidance. If there is no exact answer, then make sure it falls into the halal boundaries that Allah has given us. Allah says when a person you know is doing something wrong, You talk to the person with kindness. Try to teach them. Don't embarrass them and do not turn them away. We do this a lot where someone comes to the majid in shorts or a sister is wearing a hijab in a funny way and we go and approach those people, usually with good intentions, but we are so bad at the way we say it that it comes across as rude and we end up embarrassing them. And then that person doesn't even feel comfortable enough coming to the masjid. It's wrong. Be careful the way you explain to people. All of Allah's commands are possible, but many people find it difficult to follow. Allah literally says, if only the people just trusted me and listened, their lives would be so much easier. So any action that you find difficult to follow, just ask Allah for help. Allah says, fight for what's right. Fight for Allah. Fight for those who are weak, oppressed, and do not let injustice happen around you. Stand up for your brothers and sisters. Whatever good that comes to you, it is from Allah. But people do this thing that anytime something bad happens, they're like, yep, it's Allah. Can't even blame me. Yes, it is Allah allowing things to happen, but it is directly because of your actions. So when something bad happens, ask yourself, Did I make a mistake? Reflect. Allah tells us to greet others with the same respect or greet them with something even better. Allah holds Muslims to a higher standard than others and He expects Muslims to be respectful to other non-Muslims as well. So say Salaam to everyone and anyone. Allah talks about war and how you should not go to war unless war is waged against you first. And that if you do fight and the other people withdraw, you must not kill them. But if they don't stop and they won't choose to settle things peacefully, Only then can you kill. A believer should not kill another believer. And if they accidentally do, they must either free a believing slave or give compensation, money, to the deceased person's family. However, if a believer kills another believer intentionally, he will be punished in hell. We've probably heard of this, that killing an innocent person is like killing the entire mankind. And saving an innocent person is like saving the entire humankind. Allah tells us that when you're struggling with something for the sake of Allah, whether it's fasting or doing something, don't whine about it and don't pity yourself. Everyone is struggling, so do your best and just remember that Allah will reward you for your suffering. The more a believer struggles, the greater his reward will be. Allah says, do not lie, do not betray and do not deceive people. And Allah says, do not support hypocrites. Whoever does something wrong, realizes it and asks Allah for forgiveness, Allah will forgive them because he is the most merciful. But whoever does something wrong and then blames it on an innocent person, they have committed a huge crime and they think they might have gotten it away. But Allah says that person will never get away with it. Allah says, Beware of shaitan as he will do the best to lead you astray. Shaitan will do his best to make sure that you waste your money, waste your time, your effort, your resources for bad things. Shaitan will raise your hopes, make false promises to you, and convince you to do the wrong things and disobey Allah. Shaitan will tell you that Allah is very merciful, it's okay, just sin once and then repent later. And then once you start sinning, you can't stop. Those who follow shaitan and give to their desires, Allah says they will be doomed. So ask Allah to forgive you for those sins that you knowingly do and unknowingly do. Allah says that if a woman feels that her husband no longer loves her or she no longer loves him, but she doesn't want to divorce him for whatever reason, financial or children or, you know, she doesn't want to be lonely, she has the option of settling, meaning compromising with the husband. She can make a deal that the husband lets her stay as his wife and continues to provide for the kids if she gives up some of her other rights, meaning she won't expect the husband to sleep with her or etc. This option of settling peacefully is better than seeking divorce because it keeps the family together. But if either of them still wants a divorce, it is allowed and Allah says that He will provide for each of them. And Allah has the power in the world to give us whatever we want. Allah asks us, why are you so worried about impressing the people in this world? Why are you so desperate to have their approval to the point that you forget your deen? Don't you know that the only person you should be worried about impressing is Allah, the creator of the world? The best honor is what Allah can give you. Allah says, don't sit around with people who make fun of Islam. Don't laugh with them because you want their approval or you're afraid of what they'll say. Otherwise you'll face the same punishment as the disbelievers. Either defend Islam and stop them from talking bad about Islam or walk away until they change the subject. Allah is not waiting for you to mess up just so he can punish you. No, he has no desire to punish you. He doesn't gain anything from it. He only punishes you because of your own actions. So reflect. So that's the end of chapter five. Surah an Nisa will continue on to chapter six.